Thanks for checking out the Anchor Faith Message Podcast from St. Augustine, Florida. Now enjoy this message. Turn over to Psalms chapter 21. Psalms chapter 21, start on verse 1 through 7. If you're keeping up with our Bible reading plan, you just read this. You just came across this passage of Scripture that I'm going to do some teaching out of this morning. And uh, while you're turning there, uh, we have another opportunity to feed the Pedro Menendez football team on May the 19th. Uh, so as we continue to move forward, you can sow towards that so that we can continue to get our youth pastors in front of that school and they can continue to share Jesus Christ with student athletes. Amen. In fact, Pastor uh, Brandon and April right now are in Kentucky. So they're impacting the nation. Uh, church they, uh, that he used to go to a long time ago, saw what God's done in their lives, you know, was, has been following what's going on in their lives, called him up and said, man, would you come up here and preach to our people? He texted me yesterday and said four people got born again, five are going to get baptized uh, in water. He ministered last night at the church, and he's ministering this morning. Aren't you excited about that? Um, Cheyenne, is Brian ministering this morning? So Brian's ministering, Atkins, our chancellor for Kingdom Institute, he is ministering in Valdosta today, not at Anchor Faith Church Valdosta, uh, but at another church there called The Vision, and um, he's ministering over there. So man, we're just expanding. We get opportunities to take this kingdom gospel all over the world, and I'm thankful for it. Amen? So in Psalms chapter 21, verses 1 through 7, it says this, it says, O Lord, your strength uh, in your strength, the king will be glad, and in your salvation, how greatly he will rejoice. You have given him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. Selah. For you meet him with the blessings of good things. You set a crown of fine gold on his head. He asked life of you, and you gave it to him. Length of days forever and ever. His glory is great through your salvation. Splendor and majesty you placed upon him. For you make him most blessed forever. You make uh, him joyful with gladness in your presence. For the king trusts in the Lord. And through the loving kindness of the most high, he will not be shaken. In this passage of scripture, obviously, King David is writing this. So when we go back to the first verse and he says, Oh Lord, in your strength the king will be glad. He's obviously speaking of himself. David has been anointed king of Israel. And uh, he's gone through some great trials. If you've been, again, keeping up with our Bible reading plan, you know that David's gone through a few things. And, uh, but God went and anointed a man after his own heart when Saul fell and did not maintain obedience to God's way of doing things. And so here's David just reflecting on how God has been such a blessing, the Lord in his life, how he has saved him time and time again out of trouble because the Lord delivers the righteous out of all their distresses and all of their trouble. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so we see this whole context where the king is reflecting of these things and how God's blessed him. And in verse 3, it says, you set a crown of fine gold on his head and how you gave him life, right? And that you've given him the length of his days forever. And when we read that in the natural, just from the psalmist himself, we know these are literal things that took place with a literal guy who literally lived on the planet at a different time. But he's not just talking about himself because David, inspired by the Spirit, penned these songs. And these songs are not limited to only David because David's not the only king on the planet. Jesus came to redeem a whole group of kings because he's the king of... Who are those kings? So if David is reflecting as a king what the Lord has done, then we should reflect as a king what the Lord has done for us. Because we were off in a field somewhere. We were lost and scattered. We were separated. We were in need of salvation. But the Lord has given us eternal life. Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying? He has done something when we called on the name of Jesus 
to be Lord, supreme in authority of our life, recognizing that his death, burial, and resurrection was the, his blood was the payment of our disobedience, the payment of our sin. His resurrection is so that he can enact the covenant that he has with us, and he's making sure every term of the covenant is going to be fulfilled in our lives who've called on Jesus as supreme and authority of our life. Is he supreme? Is he the supreme authority of your life? Now, I have to ask that question because we love Savior Jesus. We don't want to go to hell, right? When you look at the alternative of what's going to happen to those that did not call on the name of Jesus, nobody wants that. But when you call on the name of Jesus, it's not to get out of hell. You call on the name of Jesus so that he can be Lord of your life. Now, Lord means supreme authority where you are submitting your will to his will, and that means he now has the right to dictate your every decision, your every move, meaning he will give purpose to you. He will cause you to rise into places you've never been before. I mean, he wants to do phenomenal things in our lives, but many are just satisfied with not going somewhere. But I love this in Psalms 103 verse 4 because it kind of puts a perspective when David was talking about how you've rescued me, your salvation is forever and ever. When I called to you, you answered me, you blessed me and such awesome things. Look what it says here with the Passion Translation. He said, you rescued me from hell and saved my life. But not only did he do that, what else did he do? He crowned me with love and mercy. Remember at the beginning of the year, we talked about this is a year of raining. We've been talking about raining for the last, I guess, three years now. Uh, first year, we just called it rain, and then we talked about being on the throne, and now we're talking about being crowned. And here's the thing. Many believers are missing that the minute you came out of the tyrannical rule of the devil, when you were transferred out of the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son, he didn't just get you out of a place that would keep you eternally separated from God and in, in um, bondage to sin. He actually pulled you over into a new family and placed a crown on your head now. Immediately, we have been crowned with his love and his mercy. We all are wearing a crown of, of, from a royal family where we are the kings of the earth. Well, I'd be way more excited than that. I guess some people, you know, when they've heard that they're a king for so many times, they just get bored with it. I just can't get bored with who I am. I mean, it just gets me jacked excited. When I look at what's going on in the world right now and what's going on uh, in society and all the stuff going on, I like to just take a step back and say, thank God I've been crowned. Thank God that I've been able to rule and reign over my circumstance. Thank God that I've been able to overcome all that's going on in the world. Thank God that I'm not subject like the rest of the world is subject. And I'm going to tell you, if you don't keep that kind of passion, you'll find yourself slipping in and being subject to things again. You'll compromise your crown because you're just glad you're going to heaven and not going to hell. Man, I'm not going to compromise my crown not a day more. I am not satisfied that I'm not going to go to hell. That's, that's like not even a thought of mine anymore. I mean, when I've been redeemed from that, why am I so concerned that I'm not going somewhere? I am in the household of God. I'm in the family of God. There are blessings and privileges that come. Not just, I didn't have to go to hell. <laughs> oh, it's bigger than that. I said it's bigger than that. See, because if you understand what the psalmist, David, understood, he understood, man, I have strength as a king because you're Lord. Because you're Lord, then your strength, and in your strength, the king is glad. I am strong because of who I'm in. I have salvation because of who I am. I have my heart's desire because of who I'm in. I've been redeemed because of who I'm in. I am blessed I have joy. See, you know who's wearing their kingly crown based upon their uh, attitude and the way they walk around in life. I know whether someone has taken it off or whether they're wearing it. 
because I don't need my circumstance to tell me I have joy. In fact, I'll have joy despite my circumstance because I can rule over it. It can never knock me off the throne. Never. And here's David, out of all the trouble this guy went through, he's reflecting and said, you know where my strength came from? You, Lord. You kept a crown on. You don't want, you crowned me. I didn't come asking for a crown. You didn't come asking for a crown. I didn't come asking for a crown. No man goes after God. No, not one. And none of us were trying to be right. But God, he came to us. He found us and says, I like to put a crown on you. I'll change your whole nature. I'll change your whole life. I'll make you blessed. And and in fact, if you read this word of the Amplified, blessed means to be envied, happy and fortunate. You understand when God blesses you, people will be envious. Now, you're not making them envious. They're envious of the blessings that God bestows on his kids. And again, why do I have it? Not because of what I've done in my own merit, but it is what I do according to faith in God's word. And he loves to give me his kingdom. In fact, the Bible tells us in Luke that our father has chosen gladly to give us the kingdom. And that kingdom is not when we go to heaven. That kingdom's right now because if that kingdom couldn't exist here, then Jesus would have to be a liar. Because he told us all to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom, your will be on as it is. And man, did Jesus cause the kingdom to manifest. Out of his own mouth, he said, if I've cast out a devil with my pinky, you know the kingdom's here. And he even told him, he said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's within your midst. It's operating right now. You can't see it. You can't, see the, you can't see the castle. You can't see the one seated on the throne, but he's there. I said he's there. How many believe the father seated on the throne? How many believe that there is a father God and he is seated on a throne? Well, if you read your Bible, you have to believe that. How many believe that Jesus Christ is seated at his right hand? Right now, he's seated on a throne. Amen. He's not on vacation. Oh, my, my. He's interceding for you. He's trying to, he's praying, Lord, I pr- Father, I pray they get it. I pray they get it because heaven's not what they get. What they get is kingship, sonship. Now, will you go to heaven? Sure, absolutely, to be absent from your bodies, be present with the Lord. But there's something greater than the destination of heaven, and that is God came to you. He came down to you. He put his spirit in you. My gosh. We can live such an awesome life right now. Ma, ma, ma. This is why I don't understand why people would only come on an Easter and not come the Sunday after. Because they have no revelation. No revelation. They have just tradition. I'll traditionally go on Easter because that's when Jesus rose from the dead, so I'm going to come and pay my respects. I mean, most Easter services have become memorial services. I'm going to go pay my respects. I mean, Jesus doesn't need your respect. Jesus already has all respect. He has all honor. He has all glory. He has all majesty. You need him. My gosh, man. I was talking with Pastor Mark this past week. He said, Easter's the the toughest day for me to minister. Toughest day. To be honest with you, it's the toughest day. Because, again, you have to fight off the mindset. Look how many people showed up that I won't see again for another year. How many people that just showed up and won't be here for another four months? And you're talking to me that he's Lord. He's not Lord. He's not Lord. You just don't want to go to hell. So you're doing whatever it takes to feel secure that you're not going to hell. You're living as close to the world as you can and pop in and give God your little, you know, you see I'm here. Remember, I'm still yours. I got to do a check-in. I don't have to do check-in. I'm in it. I'm in it. It's a part of my life. I can't be out of it. I got to be all in. That's all I am because I wouldn't be nothing without him. I just keep my crown on. (laughs) Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 2. So David's not just talking about his own kingship. In fact, he said in verse 7 as you're moving to Hebrews chapter 2, 
will be it in verse 5. He said, for the king trusts in the Lord, and through the loving kindness of the Most High, he will not be shaken. Wow, we as kings can trust in the Lord and not be shaken. Well, this reminds me of a verse in Hebrews where it says that he's given us a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So since we are kings of that kingdom, then we have a life that is unshaken, undaunted by things going on in the world. And again, how do I know people lay their crowns down? Uh, because they listen to the things of the world. They respond like the world. They act like the world. They pursue like the world. They talk like the world. Behave like the world. Make decisions like the world. But kings of the kingdom put their trust in the Lord. And say, just tell me what to do. Even if everyone says, don't do it. I mean, you understand, on a business side, to purchase an interior mall is the dumbest thing to do right now. Dumbest thing to do. Why? Because all you got to do is read the articles. All you got to do is follow the business. Interior malls are dying. So no smart business person is going to buy a mall. So by all rights, we're foolish. We're foolish. But God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. <laughs> I mean, he just does it opposite. So again, when we resurrected and it's thriving, they're going to be going, how in the world did they get that to happen to an interior mall? Because you don't understand, it's the Lord's property. He'll do whatever he wants to on the property. He's not subject to the world's ebbs and flow. I don't understand why people want to go in a door and out a door in the heat and go in a door and out a door in the heat and do outside mall. I don't know what duped them that all of a sudden interior ones are crazy. You go in and it's always cool until you decide to leave once and for all. I mean, we have become such a lazy society that we have to go straight into the one store and leave because by God, if I have to walk in and walk two or three, you know, stores over to get to one. How does this mentality? Well, it's because other people manipulate stuff, push narratives. I mean, have you noticed the ladies are wearing bell bottoms again? Where was that a year ago? Oh, I'm preaching. Yeah. I mean, we will still, I and there's nothing wrong with bell bottoms, okay? I'm not saying there is. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is our fashion, not too often are we like wearing stuff that's like out of fashion. Most of the time. Now, there are some older gentlemen here. They could care less, and they need a little fashion. It'd be okay. <laughs> that you could put on, you know. I mean, I, I don't mind. I mean, I, I, I was a pair of jeans I was looking at an American Eagle, and I opened it, and the, the pants were this wide. I'm like, Jesus. I mean, that's both of my legs are going that. <laughs> I might need to wait for that fashion to show up <laughs> again because, man, I'm going to look rough with, you know, a tablecloth on. That's what I would be wearing, <laughs> a tablecloth. <laughs> at the end of the day. But I have to admit, there was a time if you told me I was wearing spandex, I'd call you a liar. Um, but by all rights, jeans are spandex now. So it is what it is. Hallelujah. Amen. My point is, is that there are things that we will end up doing just because it's being done. And what I'm saying is there are things that flow within our world it's not necessarily ungodly, but it shapes the way we think and make decisions. All the more. I mean, if I don't have bell-bottom ladies two years ago, what happened that made them acceptable now? When, you know, the ankle-tight ones were where we have been. I mean, what made it acceptable? What came in the psyche that we're okay and comfortable now to do that? Something, and it's not ungodly, I'm not saying, I'm just saying there's something that just came around and we found ourselves doing. And if, if it's that easy to be able to move in fat, how much more is the enemy trying to get you to drop your crown and flow with the rest of the world? you got to realize your strength is in your crown. Look what it says here in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 5 to 8. Ma'am, if most believers could understand their strength is in their crown. Because when I say that, I'm not discrediting Jesus. Jesus is the one holding the crown. We are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Jesus is crowned king. He is the king of us as kings. And he's crowned us with love and mercy. 
He's made us a part of the royal family. So the crown that I have, if I take it off, is really snubbing Jesus. Well, I'm not worthy to have this crown. He's like, well, why'd I die then? If you're still not worthy, why'd I die? If you're still a pathetic mess, why'd I die? Well, so I wouldn't go to hell. No. 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 That's not why. Because if you're still unworthy, still a pathetic mess, still going to be lived by your by sin and your flesh, still going to let the dictates of the world, we understand those individuals are going to hell. Don't think a confession to me exempts you now if you're not going to live the nature you are. No, I put a new nature in you. This is what we got to get. He put a new nature in us. And the nature in me is of God. Wow. Look what it says here in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 5 and 8. It says, for it was not, the, not to angels that God subjected the habitable world of the future of which we are speaking. So angels aren't getting the earth. It has been solemnly and earnestly said in a certain place. I'm reading out of the Amplified Classic now. What is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you graciously and helpfully care for and visit and look after him? For some little time you have ranked him lower than and inferior to the angels. You have what? Crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. For you have put everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to man, he left nothing outside of man's control. Whose control? Man's. Ooh. Interesting. That means you have some control. Well, God's in control. Well, you have some control. There's some things God's not in control of, like your will. Because if he was in control of everything, then it would be his will that you would repent and make him Lord. And we would already be done with this world. There would no one be in hell. No one would be in hell. No one would be cast into the lake of fire. Wouldn't that happen if God is in complete control? That is tradition and religious brainwashing. That is giving an excuse for our ignorance that when we don't know how, well, God's in control. Like, God's doing something greater than us, and we attach Scripture to it, but the devil attaches Scripture, you understand. Well, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Old covenant, but you get over into new covenant, he says, you have the mind of Christ. The only reason you don't know, because you didn't seek. Because if you seek, you'll find. If you ask, it'll be given. If you knock, the door will be open. Well, I knocked. Not, it's a repetitive I knocked one time and you walked away. You asked one time and you quit asking. You sought one time and you quit seeking. But that scripture says to knock and keep on knocking, keep on knocking, keep on knocking, and to ask and keep on asking, keep on asking. It's not that God's hard of hearing. It's that he desires to have a relationship with you and he's not casting his pearls before the swine. I mean, you're not going to take advantage of God. Gimme, 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 gimme. That's how we are with the Lord. Gimme, gimme, gimme. And if it takes a long time, I don't want it. The devil's like, I'll give it to you fast. I'll give it to you right now. As long as it gets you out of the will of God, gets you out of the favor of God, gets you out of the power of God, gets you out of the place of God. Because I'm here to kill, steal, and destroy your life. I'll give you a promotion. I'll give you a job halfway around the world. I'll give you all kind of money. I'll keep you out of his church. And you're going to find out here in a minute why it's so important to actually be in the church. Because if you're not in the church, you can't keep your crown on. Okay. Hallelujah. So he said he's left nothing outside of man's control. But at present, we do not yet see all things subjected to him. That is man. This is really important. Because at present, the majority do not yet see all things subjected to him. I know when I encounter those who say Jesus is their Lord, I know how much they know based upon how they live. I know. I can hear it in their talk. I can see it in their walk. Amen. Now, 
Just because I may see something that's lacking doesn't mean they're off. They may be passionate for God, pressing in, moving after the things of God, and God's taking them on a journey, and they're growing. I mean, I'm where I'm at today because I just stay persistent, not because, you know, I quit somewhere. And what I know today, I did not know 15 years ago. Did not know 10 years ago. I just keep growing. I just keep seeking. I just keep knocking. I just keep asking. Amen? I want to know what is subject to me. Okay. Where did this, um, why is this so important that he says, he's left nothing outside of man's control, but at present we do not yet see all the things subjected to him. We started out in verse 5, it says, listen, when it comes to the inhabitable world, he didn't leave this to angels, but he gave it to man. Where's that come from? Psalms 115, verses 15 and 16. The New English translation says it this way. May you be blessed by the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. Who created the heaven and the earth? Who created it? Come on, who created it? God did. The heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to mankind. So, well, if God's in control, he sure has made it a mess. He's not. Man is. Man's in control of the earth. Man's in control. Man's determining the policies. Man's determining the laws. Man's determining the family relationships. Man's determining education. Man's determining entertainment. They're doing that. God didn't do that. God's not ha uh, uh, pleased with half the things that man's doing. But if a man will wear his crown and follow the Lord, he'll bring into an existence in this earth a whole different way of living. In fact, it'll be a different kingdom would manifest. In fact, it would be so awesome that people would look on it with envy and say, why don't I have what they have? Yeah. So we see in the Passion Translation, verse 16 says, the heavens belong to our God. They are his alone, but he has given the earth and put us... Put us in charge. Amen. He's put us in charge. Oh, my gosh. Well, we got this Hebrews uh, writer, got this from Psalms 8, verses 4 through 6. And again, I'm going to break this down because I already hear the religious critic. And the rea reality is, don't get stuck in your tradition. Continue to be open to hear the word for what it says. Okay? It says this, what is man that you take thought of him, the son of man that you care for him, yet you have made him a little lower than God, and you have crowned him with glory and majesty. You have made him to rule over the works of your hands. You have put all things, come on now, under his feet. The Amplified says it this way, yet you have made him, a little, uh, made him but a little lower than God or heavenly beings. You have crowned him with glory and honor. You made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. The Passion Translation says it this way. Yet what honor you have given to men, created only a little lower than Elohim, crowned like kings and queens with glory and magnificence. You have delegated to them mastery over all you have made. Everything. All right, making everything subversivent to their authority, placing earth itself under the feet of your image bearers. Now, what do we hear? We hear, well, this is talking about Jesus. This is talking about when Jesus comes. This is, he's talking about when Jesus comes. When Jesus comes, this is what this is about, Jesus. And is this about Jesus? Absolutely. This is about Jesus as well. No doubt, this is about Jesus. If we go back to the uh, New American Standard Version, we can see it all on the screen at one time. And we'll see here that, yes, there is this conversation that you could take this particular prophecy uh, or this uh, psalm and move it forward into time through the line of David to a man, the son of man, God who became flesh. What is man that you take thought of him, the son of man that you care for him? You have made him a little lower than God. You crowned him with glory and majesty. You made him to rule over the work of your hands, and you have put all things under his feet. And everybody said, that's Jesus. But what if we took this and we rewound, we went backwards? Was there ever a person that this fit? 
Sure. Turn over to Genesis chapter 1. There was another man that God took thought of him. <laughs> In fact, God takes thought of man. He just takes thought of man. And that's just not one human being. That is the race of man. And before Jesus ever had to leave glory, before the second person of the Godhead had to leave heaven's domain and come into an earth domain, he never would have had to have left if the first man who had the same rule. Let's look at this in Genesis chapter 1. What is man? What is man? What is man? that you take thought of him, the son of man, that you care for him. You have made him a little lower than God. You crown him with glory. Leave it right here. You crown him with glory match. You made him to rule over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over, all, over the cattle, over all the earth, over all the what? Who was to rule over it? Man, is this Jesus? This is not Jesus. <laughs> and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. This isn't Jesus. Because Jesus is not created in the image of God. Jesus is God. Oh. So, you can't keep Psalms 8, 4 to 6 only to beat at Jesus. You have to go back and understand the original place man was spoken into existence. And when I said spoken, decreed or declared by the king of kings of what man would be and the function he would have. God created man in his own image. In uh, the image of God, he created him. Who did he create? Male and female, he created them. And what were they to do? What is man that God took thought of this species after he's created the heavens and the earth and he spoke into existence, let there be this and let there be that and let there be this and let there be that. Then he gets to this sixth day and he says, let's make man in our image. Let me pull on my DNA. Let me breathe into a skin suit. Let me pull from my own substance in the spirit and make man to have the same type of rule. Let me crown him with glory and majesty. Let him rule over the works of my hands. Let him have dominion on this globe while I have dominion in the heavens and I'll converse with my king. I'll converse with him. I'll speak to him. I will labor with him as he rules and reigns. And what does he say to this first man and this first woman who he had created a little lower than the angels that he had crowned with glory? He said, listen, you can eat of any tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for the day you eat of it, you will surely. And if Adam had never eaten a fruit that day, Adam would still be here ruling and reigning as man, crowned with glory and majesty. But Adam took his crown off one day and ate of the fruit. And when he ate the fruit, the father said, man has lost his crown. I said man would have dominion and rule. I made him a little lower than me. I crowned him with glory and majesty. I gave him the assignment to have dominion. And to rule over the work of my hands. I did that. And now this man has failed. Has committed treason against my kingdom. Has fallen from dominion. But I must have what I say. So he turns to his son. And he says, son, I'm going to put you in flesh. Because man has the right to dominion. I'll have to go as a man to get it back. So Jesus comes to the earth to restore what the first Adam lost. And that was the dominion, the crown that we had possession of. And ultimately, we'll receive it again. That's the crown of life. Oh, my gosh. 
Oh, man. For eternity, forever. See, the psalmist looked back on the 21st Psalms, and, he, and he's saying to us, he said, my gosh, I'm a king because you made me this way. I mean, I was in desperation and hurt. I was in a pit, but you delivered me. You saved me. You delivered me. You brought me out. You put this crown on me. You gave me blessings. You honored me. You caused my enemies to be defeated. And yet Jesus Christ has done the same thing for everyone else who had ever called on his name. That he would put on that day that you made Jesus Lord a crown on your head. That you would be able to say, now I'll take dominion and I'll control my circumstances down here. I can't control your life, but I can control how I respond to anything that comes my way. Nobody owns me. Nobody can control me. Nobody can abuse me. Misuse me. I can take authority to determine how I'll respond to you. Because when Jesus was beaten so bad they couldn't tell he was a man and, and had him drag his own cross to go up on the hill of Golgotha and crucified him there, he looked at humanity and instead of saying, I'm a victim, look what they did to me, he said, I have dominion over my circumstance. You will not put me in a position that I will come out of the love of the Father. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The end of the day, I'm going to maintain a kingdom relation. I'm keeping my crown on. You put a crown of thorn on me, but I actually have a royal crown you don't even see. And we said at the beginning of the year, he took our crowns of thorns so that we could have his crown of glory. Why do we not want to wear the crown of glory today? Why do we want to be fixated on a crown of thorns and walk around in the earth in shame and guilt and condemnation and, and living by the flesh and all the things that were deserving of that type of treatment when the Lord says, I paid the price. Now live as sons and daughters of God, as kings and queens of the earth. Glory to God. I just preached myself happy. My, my, my. I mean, this thing's so jacked exciting that in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, now that he has made me a king, he has actually made the angels subject to me. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, it says, Besides to which, Amplified Classic, of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand, associate with me in my royal dignity, till I make your enemies a footstool at your feet. Yes. Are not the angels all ministering spirits, servants sent out in the service of God uh, for the assistance of those who are to inherit salvation? Yes. Even the angels are waiting for the sons of God to stand up and, and walk in their dominion and walk in their place and are waiting for orders from their kings. I say all that to say this in Ephesians chapter 1. Man, this is good. This is why Paul prayed this prayer. Paul was not going around preaching, you don't want to go to hell. <laughs> you want to know what Paul preached? You got to go to Acts chapter 20. You got to go to Acts chapter 28. He literally lays it out. He said, I went about preaching you the gospel of the kingdom and things concerning Jesus. So Acts gives us this summation of all the different missionary journeys he did. And he said, I went about preaching the kingdom of God and things concerning Jesus. If you want to know what Paul preached, Acts 20, it could be 21, definitely verse, uh, chapter 28, and it's twice in that uh, particular chapter that he says, I went about preaching the kingdom and things concerning Jesus. And then he's praying to the Ephesian church. He's like, man, I hope they get it. I hope they get it. And what's he saying? He says that the Lord, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give to you a spirit of, not a spirit of exit, not a spirit of escape, not a spirit of hold on. Hold on, it's going to be all right. You're going to make it. I know it's tough. I mean, it's tough. I get it. But if you live by the Spirit, then you'll overcome. 
Period. You'll overcome. Period. In fact, I just heard a minister say this, and it's really powerful. Again, just perspective. He said, if you'll walk by the Spirit, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Most people are trying not to live fleshly. As long as you are trying to not live fleshly, you're going to live fleshly. Because the only way you do not live fleshly is you walk by the Spirit. The key is to walk by the Spirit, not to not be fleshly. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Now, the desires will still show up. The temptation will still be there, but you'll never carry one out because you walk by the And most aren't even trained to walk by the Spirit. Most have just been informed, because it's not even training. Informed. When you die, you go to heaven now that you've called on Jesus. That's information. That doesn't get you through. That'll get you to live the same way the world lives. But hold on. Well, at least I'm going to heaven. I ask the Lord come to my heart. And that's not the existence God ever desired for his kids while on the earth. Ever. Even in heaven. You're not going to go to the king in heaven and say, man, I shouldn't even be here. It's not going to happen. Okay. So Paul's like praying, get revelation of the knowledge. I pray that you may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. In this king that the psalmist look into the future because it knew the past. What is man that you are, take thought of him? That you've crowned him. Made him a little lower than him, but you've crowned him. Because you understand, made a little lower than angels does not mean that we are under angels because Jesus was not under angels. After the temptation of the enemy in Matthew chapter 4, the angels actually came and ministered to Jesus. Angels showed up with Peter in the jail, woke him up, and showed him the way out. He was there to help Peter. So when we say lower, that means they have a realm or a uh, spiritual um, um, uh, access into the heavens that we currently do not possess or are not in. But they are waiting to hear from us. So he said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance, where? In the saints. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power, where? Towards us. But there's a kicker. Who believe? Who believe? Who believe? So there's power towards you, but if you don't believe, power can't be. How do I know this? Because the Bible tells us that Jesus went into his own community under the power of the Holy Spirit, but he could not uh, uh, heal hardly anybody there, save a few sick people, because they were offended at him. They were full of unbelief. But if we would get revelation that we as saints have an inheritance right now on the earth today, and that there's a surpassing greatness of his power that's towards us. I mean, it's like God's just waiting to give it out to you. And let me tell you something. God loves it a lot of times when you get in these little jacked up situations that seem like you ain't going to make it because that's when he's just like, yeah, watch it. I mean, my God does so many mic drops, it's not even funny. I mean, he's all about showing his power to the world that you cannot stop us. That's my king down there. That's my king. You thought you had him at cancer? Bam, he's healed. You thought you had him evicted? Bam, it's paid for. You thought that they were never going to get a job? Bam, they got promoted, and now they own the business. But you got to pull on the power that's already towards you. And you can't do that if you lay aside your crown. He goes on and says, these are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in his right hand in heavenly places. Far above. Say far above. Far above. I mean, not like a little bit. Far above. Look at your neighbor and say far above. I mean, you got to get this in your spirit. This isn't even close. How far above his rulership is. I mean, it's not like him and the devil are like neck and neck and he squeezes it out in the end. It's not even close. He's far above what? 
all rule and authority and power. Oh, my gosh. And dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And here it is. And here it is. And here it is. Just leave right there. Just read. Look at verse 22. Can you look at verse 22 for me? Can you just stare at it? Can you gaze at it? Can you look at it for me? What is man that you take thought of him? The son of man that you care for him. Yet you made him a little lower than God and you crowned him with glory and majesty. You make him to rule over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. Which is his body, the fullness of him who fills on all. You know how many believers take their crowns off? It's the ones who don't actively attend his church. Believers who do not actively attend. And when I say active, I'm talking the doors open, I'm there. Active. I'm not talking like, well, I don't feel it today. That's not active. Because that's when, when you, I don't feel, you're taking your crown off. You're allowing your flesh to determine your decision. For things to stay subject to you, you must be that which it's subject to. And it's not subject to you as an individual. It's subject to you because you are part of the church. Because you're part of the church. See, you're not an individual king. That's the problem. That's why Adam fell from dominion, because he wanted to be his own king. I'll eat it anyway. Oh, okay. All right, it's fine. It ain't popular, but it's all right. Because I can tell you right now, I know every believer that is active, that is pursuing, that is involved, that is passionate, number one of the church, more than their job, more than their family. Now, don't get me wrong when I say that, because the minute I say that, you know, people say it's God, family, and church. That is bunk. That is religious brainwashing. It is God, and God is the church. So how do you separate it? You want to have a family? Then you need to bring them to church. You need to function like the church would have a family function. You need to correct your kids like the church would tell you to correct the kids because it's in the Word. You need to, be, you need to live that existence, and you're going to have family. You're not having family time outside of this. You don't have family. There's only two. The domain of darkness family. And they pick and choose when they want to come. They do what they want to do. And that's why their lives are hell. But if you'll give yourself solely to the church. And when I say that, I'm talking to Jesus. But he is the head of all things to the church, which is his body. He is the head of the church. So you can't say, I follow Jesus, but I don't go to church. I call you a liar to your face. I would. Because you're telling me I'm supposed to agree with how you want to interpret Scripture. If Jesus is the head of the church and where is body, I mean, I never showed up here without my head. And my head never came here without my body. It's never happened. Never has it happened. And if my body ever shows up without my head, you need to question who brought my body. Because that's called murder. Somebody has killed me. You hear what I'm saying? That's what's happened. But we want to act like that we are going to operate in dominion. And what do we do? We get duped in. You know what? The church isn't a building. The church is not a building. The church is actually all of us collected together. Not all of us never seeing each other. So if we want to really start operating in some massive power and authority, then man, you just find yourself 
coming here, being here, and remember why you called him Lord in the first place. The problem is we most call him Lord because they don't want to go to hell. I called him Lord because he gave me a crown. He is my king. He is the one who calls the shots. And if he says I'm better off to be connected with others, that sometimes we don't get along. But hey, my gosh, man, I'm trying to navigate too. I'm trying to put off my flesh. I'm trying to put down my bad attitude. I'm trying to walk in forgiveness like anyone else. And my gosh, if God's forgiven me, I can surely forgive you. Let's just push on this thing together. Because if you're too tired to come to church, I can tell you, you've not been in the Word, you've not been in the Spirit, and you've got misplaced priorities. Because nobody lays out of work as much as they lay out of church. Don't do it. But yet, I love Jesus. No? No, you're just glad you're not going to hell. And you're walking around wasted potential because there's a crown set for your head. A crown that you could go and begin to walk in authority like never before because you'll come here, you'll get refreshed. Because I can see her here now, I'm not refreshed, you're making me feel bad. I'm not making you feel bad. You feel bad because you're the one who's not showing up. That's not my problem. Those who are here all the time, do you feel bad? Don't feel bad at all. No, don't feel bad. We don't feel bad. We're like... Well, I mean, I come. That's, I mean, I got to be here. It's life. I mean, it's life. I love the relationships. I love the worship. I love being connected with people. And I love to walk in authority because when I'm out by myself, I know that I have the whole church backing me. And I'm not alone. And when the trouble comes, I don't get out here all by myself trying to fight the devil by myself. I get back in the church and say, I'm going, but will you come and you stand in faith with me and you agree with me and you believe with me? And then power will show up in your life. Things will turn around. That's what to do it. Come on, you know it's true, Randy Clay. If it weren't for the church. You know it's true, John and Marie's, if it weren't for the church. And I'm not talking about that religious brainwashing stuff. I'm talking about believing God, standing on his word, non-compromising. You know it's true, Amita. You know it's true. How he'll transfer things into your possession when the devil's trying to come to steal, kill, and destroy your life. He'll wipe away your past. He didn't do it to keep you out of hell. He did it to put a crown on your head so you can walk in dominion. Later, that's why you'll take over, Longhorn man. You can take it over. And anything you want to do, you want to stay cook, be the head cook. You want to go ahead and start managing it, you got a crown, you can take it. You can take it. Why? Because God will bless you. They'll be envious of you. They'll be, my God, not only does he make the best steak and, and blackened salmon in the whole doggone county. But he's running this restaurant and it's prospering more than ever. I, whatever. Because you're blessed because you're king. Not because you're getting out of hell. Because you're son of the king. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com. Thank you.